Artemis endeavors to get more women and girls in the field and on the water. To support women as leaders in the conservation movement. To ensure the vitality of our lands, waters, and wildlife. Artemis endeavors to change the face of conservation. Welcome to the Artemis Podcast. I am your host, Marsha Brownlee, and our co-host today is Sarah Top. Hey, Sarah. Hey, thanks for having me again. Yeah, welcome back. Um, I'm excited to welcome our guest back to the Artemis Podcast as well. Please welcome Sharenda Burtz. Hi, Sharenda. Hi, ladies. I'm so excited to talk to you again. Thank you for joining us for another conversation. Well, thanks for inviting me again. I always love everything that you guys do, post and share and introduce us to the ladies that I'm not familiar with. Yeah, we're right back at you. Um, I've been, we'll get into this later, I'm certain, but I've been drooling over some of the events and activities you got going on with Wilderness. It's just awesome. How's that been? Well, let's just go there first and then we'll segue. How's that been going? <laughs> um, it's actually been amazing. Like, you know, this wilderness um, being part of an organization is new to me. And it's still, even though it's been literally a year, it still feels so fresh and so brand new to me. And these ladies really pull you outside Mm -hmm. of your box. And, you know, we'll just, we randomly, you know, we encourage ladies that if there's something you want to do, let us know. We'll try to make it happen. And I think the more that the women in our area realize they reach out to us, whether organization-wise or individually, we really do try to make it happen. So we get a lot more requests. And it's just, it's so heartwarming because it's nice to see that women realize that, hey, locally, you know, we can go do things. And I really do like the fact that they recognize that, you know, it's not all about hunting with us. I mean, we've done, um, we recently got a grant, the, um, and I always mess up the name, so I apologize for that. Um, it's the Vamos, a Pascar grant, and that's where we set up a four-part series where um, we educate families on species, tying knots, um, rod and reel setups, tackle what to use it for um we've introduced them to fishing as a family and um we have introduced them to catching and releasing or catching and keeping because they all have to have um license to do that too and then just this past saturday which was the 24th we got to take them out on a boat so they could this you know this last session fish from a boat And then the next session, which will be the last one, we're going to show them how to clean and prepare the fish. And the children will be interactive with that. And we're going to have a big fish fry. Mm. But what was most exciting for us was I called it the ultimate swag bag. Mm. The grant allowed us to not only um, equip family with rod setups, let the children pick if they wanted opened or closed. they got a fully equipped tackle box. Sweet. So there's no excuses. And the children loved it. They got to pick it because they have multiple options. We let them know each has the same thing. You just pick what color you want. Hmm. And then we're gifting them with um, gift cards to purchase the parking pass permits and the fishing license. Very cool. So, that has to, this has to have been one of the most exciting ones for us because we literally gave you no excuses. Yeah. It's a complete setup. Here you go. Go have fun. A complete setup. And nice. the parents and children loved it. So that was the most exciting for me. Um, we also have our first time ever uh, planning a big event that we've partnered with the Missouri chapter of Pheasants Forever. We're calling it Go Wild, which is Go Outdoors, Where You Lead Discovery. We seem to like catchy acronyms. (laughs) And (laughs) it's kind of like a two and a half day camp. Um, I've never experienced Bo becoming an outdoor woman, and Missouri doesn't have one. So 
we really wanted to do something local on the Missouri side. So Missouri women that can't travel too far and Kansas women mm-hmm. can come and experience the weekend. It's at a Boy Scout camp. And I mean, we're doing, we have probably like 30, 40 classes. Um, it's going to range everywhere from rock climbing. Um, I think we have zip lining. I got to double check that because I'm hoping for zip lining myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dutch oven cooking, uh, kayaking, hiking. Oh gosh, there's so many things. Uh, glass. Uh, what do you call that when you cut the glass and make the the pictures and things you can hang up? Like the stained glass thing. Yeah, stained yeah. glass classes. We're gonna have reload classes. Of course, we're gonna have pistol and shotgun shooting and rifle. And there's so many women that like within four days, we were literally 80%. No, actually within 48 hours, we were 80% full. So amazing. It was. And, you know, we've had women reaching out to us asking questions like, will there be electricity? Because I, you know, I have a CPAP machine and we're like, yes. And (laughs) it's going to be a first for me yet again. I've never been to camp. Awesome. And I've never done anything like this on this magnitude. And I just, I'm, I have to keep telling myself, bring it back. This is not like a national event. It's just local. Bring it back. (laughs) (laughs) But people travel for things like this. That's one of the things that I've noticed too, is if you have a great weekend, I mean, people will travel for it. So I know you said Kansas and Missouri, but I wouldn't be surprised if you get interest from other places too we do we actually have um people coming from texas Mm -hmm. and i think tennessee and you know they they're women that we you know hunted in fellowship with before and they're like oh this sounds fun we're coming so Mm -hmm. i'm excited there's a few ladies that um you know i've met on social media and, and done activities with them but then there's a couple i haven't met that are coming. So just like a big old digital class reunion. I love it. And I can I just say that a weekend that includes both stained glass cutting and like reloading is the perfect yes. weekend. <laughs> it's just that I, is truly amazing. It's fantastic. I feel like it's gonna be amazing. Oh, and I almost forgot because it's my baby of the planning committee. We're having a gear and fashion show. Ah, uh, Oh, oh my gosh. Fun. So we're going <laughs> to have models dressed up what we would wear for the activity or species we're hunting, both cold and warm climate. Uh-huh. It's going to be plus size, average, and petite women because everyone has something missing in each of those categories that we mm-hmm. need. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a few industry um, uh, merchants that are designed and ran by women. They're offering, because, you know, we're, we're using our personal gear, but I reached out to them and asked them, hey, we really like your gear. Would you be interested in doing a discount code for women that come to our event? So we had a couple that were like, yes, and I'm really excited about that. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have like a backpacking setup, which you would typically take, and we're going to model that. And it's not runway. I want the models oh. to interact with okay. the audience so they can touch it, see it, ask questions, get more in detail. Uh-huh. So I'm really excited about that. That's a fantastic idea. And um, you said it's not runway, but is there a soundtrack? Um, <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm going to have an MC. Uh-huh. And I'm trying. I need to touch base with them and see, hey, what kind of soundtrack do we need to have? Because I can be pretty cheesy. <laughs> I love it. Uh, can you tell people before I get too far along where they can find more information about Wilderness? We have a website. It's wildherness.org, and it's W-I-L-D-H-E-R. N-E-S-S dot org where um, on Instagram except we're underscore wilderness underscore and we're also on Facebook as Wild Herness. Cool. Thank you and we'll link to all that in our show notes. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. Um, 
Can we get a sneak peek at what you're going to be modeling? Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> I'm actually, I love my um, Girls With Guns Upland pants. Mm. Love them, love them, love them. Love them so much. I have two pairs. Probably need to get a third. Um, <laughs> what else do I love? Um, Footwear-wise. Always a good I question. love my Danner boots. Okay, so I have a question for you about Danner boots. Because I just bought a pair and I love them as well. But mine squeak. Do yours squeak? They don't. Hmm. But I have the Wayfair. Which ones do you have? Oh, hold on. Let me, let me grab them. <laughs> just one second. <laughs> I wonder if it's the, the sole in or the... Um... Or the like shoelace the that goes in the shoe. <laughs> I can't yeah. remember what that's called. <laughs> the insole. <laughs> that. Oh, yeah. I, I've run across a couple that are squeaky like that, too. I have no idea. <laughs> How's that? So, that? <laughs> mine, which is hilarious. I uh, took them to the shoe store because I, I dragged those things through mud. And I got most of the mud off, but I'm like, you know, these need to last a little long. And I want to keep them looking as new as possible. So I took them to the shoe store to have them clean the mud dust off mm-hmm. and retreat them for waterproofing. And the guy referred to them as my tactical hunting boots. And it tickled me to death. <laughs> so the the ones that I have literally do look like hunting tactical boots. I think they're called the Wayfarers. Um, so I have, sorry, I just saw the tag on the inside. Mine are the Wayfinders. Wayfinders. That's what yeah. I have. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, mine don't squeak. Huh. Weird. Maybe maybe I walk strangely. <laughs> maybe it's not the boots, it's me. Yeah, I can definitely see how that would not be uh, desirable if you're trying to walk and stalk on some, some game. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe I'll try and wax the laces. Well, I did, you know, when I, when I first got mine, I sprayed them with um, some waterproof stuff and I really saturated the laces. I don't know if that had anything to do with it because it did run down in the eyelets. It could mm-hmm. have. It's kind of oily. I am going to try that and report back to everybody to see if it works. And then if they still squeak, I would say contact Dan or they may replace them. No, they might. I do like everything else about them. Oh, yes. They're, they're, you know, they were probably the first pair of boots that, you know, I got them and I put them on to see if, oh, I might need to break them in. Let's wear them to work. And I had to make myself come out of them because I was wearing them to work too much. (laughs) (laughs) Your everyday tactical boots. Pretty much, but oh my gosh, that tickled me so much. She's like, oh yeah, the tactical hunting boots, and I was like, huh, <laughs> never thought about that. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, and, you know, surprisingly, I have a pair of uh, Red Wing Upland um, boots, which I didn't know that they had um, women mm-hmm. Upland boots. I'm actually shocked at how freaking comfortable those are. I've been wearing them to work and wearing them when I go out uh, scouting or outside. This season, they're going to get broken really out in the field for upland hunting. So I'm kind of excited about those. But, oh, my gosh, it's I, I can't. Right now, they're 50-50. So it's kind of hard to say, you know, like, which one is the favorite child? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I have those Red Wings as well. The women's was, which I was very pleasantly surprised to see that they carried that model because um, I normally end up trying on and getting men's boots for that reason. But lucky yep. enough to get the women's pair in that one. I, I actually end up wearing um, Timberland Pro work boots with a composite toe in the field more than often or more often than not. Only because with those Red Wing boots, they're pretty lightweight. They're pretty sturdy and waterproof. Um but with the design on the sole on the bottom, it captures so much mud. It's mm. ridiculous. And I just, depending on where I'm hunting, um, it becomes really, I don't have any traction when there's, when all that mud gets caked in there. That's the only complaint with that shoe. I was wondering about that because I was like, huh, this is the first time I didn't have shoes with tracks in them. Yeah. 
I need to make yeah. a note of that. So, Have an extra pair of shoes. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and you said you like the Timberland um, Pros? Yeah, it's a, it's a work boot. I actually got it for work at the time. Um, but I end up wearing, they're so comfortable, they're lightweight, they're waterproof, they're everything I want for a hunting boot. So I end up wearing them more often than my Red Wings. Oh, I'm going to have to look at those. So I've seen them, but it just never, you know, I'm still, it still takes me a minute to put two and two together sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> are they oh, warm, and- Sarah? They are warm. Um, if So for like Michigan deer season, I would I'd most times end up wearing muck boots. Um, especially when it's really, really cold and even have toe warmers in my muck boots. But for late season grouse, I still will wear in December. I will still wear these work boots. The Red Wings are, I have to say, are not as warm (laughs) as my work boots. So I guess I'm, uh, the Red Wings are more like my early season, dry hunt days, Mm -hmm. early season. Um, I can still manage hunting in the snow in them, but they are definitely considerably different than my work boots. I'm definitely going to make a note of that. Okay, thank you for that tidbit. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, and, and I did discover I love DSG's clothing line. Oh, nice. I've been meaning oh to check gosh. them out. They are, if they sew their pants, DSG and Girl with Guns, pants are similar in style i like how they have the adjustable seam like an inseam yeah. that's adjustable or oh yeah it's oh, that's cool yeah they're snaps i love those features <laughs> on on their pants um dsg has more options hunting wise and they also have fishing gear but both of their sizings um at least from the plus size perspective because i'm chubby um, I haven't had any weird fits or complaints and you know, I'm going in like girls with guns. I'm going into probably this may be the start of my third season. DSG, this will be my second season. And like I'm already looking at DSG to they have some new camo coming out for Turkey. So mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. No, actually, it already is out. Are the pants, so I think one of the trickiest things I have with pants is that they're um, not high-waisted enough. So, you know, you get you get the lovely plumber's crack when you squat down in the middle of the field to cut your animal. <laughs> Are they high-waisted? Like, is it a nice solid fit around the hips? It is because my, my front and my backside kind of look the same. <laughs> and they, I have ample coverage. Like, I don't have plumber's crack in either line even on the uh the arctic arctic fit which is thicker you would think it would be tighter and maybe cut lower i haven't had any problems with um gut fit or butt fit and they even have um built-in uh velcro tabs on the side where you can tighten or loosen them in case if you have a smaller waist Mm -hmm. and then i can also carry comfortably in both of them so I mean, those ladies, both of them are hitting it right on what I, what I need to feel like my clothes fit well. Cool. I'm going to check it out because I feel like nobody likes a plumber's crack in the middle of the field. No, especially when it's <laughs> an ice cold breeze that right? runs across it. <laughs> <laughs> and you're trying to get three layers tucked in and then they just all pop out. And, yeah. Field problems. <laughs> It's interesting. I think uh, maybe I'm going to check some misconceptions of my own right now, but I believe that both Girls with Guns and DSG are based in East. Is that right? Are they somewhere out of the Eastern U.S.? So Guns with Girls are based out of California. Oh, see, there we go. DSG, you know, if you'd asked me this probably two weeks ago, I probably would have remembered. Okay. I don't, I think they're more northern area. That's something I might need to Google right quick. I actually don't remember where they're based out of. Huh. Maybe California too. And I didn't realize they had um, gear lines outside of ice fishing gear, honestly. So I'm 
making I'm going to be making myself a wish list of upland clothes and DSG is going to be on it. <laughs> oh yeah, they have hunting, fishing and ice fishing. Oh, and snow. Uh people that like to get out and ski and snow boogie board mm-hmm. or whatever they call it, they have gear for that too. <laughs> oh, snow boogie board, that's going to be my new it's gonna have to be what I refer to snowboarding as from now on. <laughs> I like it. Well, they actually look like they're having a good time out there, so I'm, I'm like, huh, snow boogie board. <laughs> cool. Uh, so Sharenda, well, thank you. I feel like we dove straight into like the business part of the conversation. It was like, tell us what you're doing with wilderness. <laughs> Let's do the gear review straight up front. Um, but I want to catch up on what you've been up to as well. Cause I know last September, uh, so people, we also didn't do any introductions to who you are and, and where you are, because hopefully people have listened to the first podcast we did with you, which aired back in September of 2020. And again, we'll link to it and take a listen. Cause it's still one of my favorite podcast conversations. Um, but in that conversation, you mentioned you were about to go on your first camping trip and on your first dove hunt. So how was that? And what's happened since? Oh, my God. That was that was pretty fun. Um, so the camping was only for one, one overnight. Um, I got there late. Cause I was riding another young lady wanted me to ride with her. She didn't want to ride by herself. So we got there um, after everyone had already set up an egg and was getting ready to go to bed. So I didn't get to go through the experience of putting the tent together, which was okay. I got some tents (laughs) I could borrow to play with. Um, I surprisingly slept pretty good because it it was hot, but we were right next to a lake. So when we got ready to go to bed, it was the most comfortable experience ever. Hmm. It was really, it was like the perfect temperature. I slept good. Um, I learned I don't like sleeping on the ground. (laughs) I don't know anyone who really does. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And like that next morning when we got up, we went to the dove hunt. Now, that was fun. Um, I did not research um, dove patterns before we got there. Like I knew what they kind of looked like. I had an idea of how small they were. I didn't look at their flight pattern. It was intentional. Mm-hmm. So we go out to the field. We're sitting there. They came in pretty pretty early. We weren't sitting out there long. And the first thing I thought was, holy crap, these little boogers fly like that. Oh, interesting. <laughs> It was like the weirdest thing. I had as early as they came in, had I not known, had nobody told me that those were dove, I literally would have thought they were bats and just would not even have paid them any attention. They're quick. And it was uh, funny. We all got, uh, we didn't hit limit, but we all got birds. Cool. And it was funny because we didn't have dogs. So we figured out to be quick about it. Whoever um, shot and got a bird, set where they were. The rest of us ran out there like retrievers. <laughs> they were letting us know where they saw it fall. We gra- Whoever grabbed it would run back over to who shot it, dump it by them, and we'd be ready for the next. And we did this for like four hours, and it was amazing. That sounds fun. <laughs> and afterwards, when we went back, we had a little cleaning class. And we cooked them right there on the spot. But the men um, that were out there helping us out and guiding, they were the ones that were cooking while we got to sit around and drink ice cold beverages. So that was funny. And I remember going to go get a refill of uh, coffee because I was drinking coffee in the middle of the summer. And the men was like, what's funny is this? Women go out, do all the hunting and cleaning. And we sitting here cooking while they're over there sipping on soda and sipping on beer. And it was nice. And we had a nice gourmet meal out of it. We had a fried pheasant plated over polenta with some type of red sauce drizzled over. They had a pretty good um, plate presentation. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Um, I, yeah, I mean, every time I think we should flip the tables every once in a while (laughs) you know it's weird because whenever like we go out with 
the husbands and do things. You know, it's not, it's like weird. We're automatically doing the cleaning and they don't think anything, you know, it's just a routine. They'll just go ahead and start cooking. And I'm like, oh, you're used to this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So have you gone out dove hunting since? No, I'm I'm hoping we can probably get some dove hunting in in September, but we have so much stuff planned. We're not going to be able to plan. Well, we're going to try to see if we can plan an event. Um, If not, then it just may need to be our team builder experience. That way we can take women out the next season by ourselves. Yeah. It's just so much uh, stuff going going on and so many women want to do so many things and we're trying to plan them. It's even gotten to the point where it's like, huh. I have to go use a vacation day and just go fishing by myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you mentioned uh, that it was intentional that you didn't look up dove patterns before. Yep. Can you say more about that? Well, so usually we go out and we, we research, spe- you know, we research species. And since I'm always what I refer to as the newest link on the chain, um, I like to go and watch YouTube videos just to see how things act or how people record they act in their environment so I can kind of know what to look for. Well, I didn't want to do it with Dove because I'm like, okay, this is a totally new experience. What if one day, you know, I win the lotto and I'm just hanging out at a cabin. I rented it as an Airbnb for a week and somebody's like, hey, let's go blah, 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 some species. And you, of course, you don't have any internet. I wanted to like hmm. kind of quasi set it up. It was like, what would I do if this scenario happens? I was kind of being a dork. No, I love it. What if we didn't have the internet? <laughs> it's, yeah. It's an important question. And I remember like when I was talking about it with the guys afterwards and, you know, they were like, there were some, it was a guy from Australia and he's like, I've never seen a dove. And, you know, he didn't seem that impressed and I wasn't trying to impress him, but I, I actually sent him a video that we took where me and um, Jessica Baines, my buddy, we got a double. And he was like, oh, they do move like bats. I said, yeah. And then when you got to go out there and search for these dirt colored birds in the dirt, you have a hard time finding them. How do you find them without a dog? Said the not, uh, the 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 never before upland hunted hunter. So the guys made sure they told us, and the girls that have dove hunted before, make sure we follow it till it hits the ground. Well, a lot of us are not good at judging distance that well, so that's when we quickly had the routine. Whoever shot it would stay on it. The rest of us will run out there. They tell us, you know, to the left, to the right, it should be right there. And within like the first two shots and uh, the birds that went down, we just ran over there. It may took us a couple of seconds. We found them and ran back. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. It would have been fun to see. Oh, it was hilarious. <laughs> Do you have, so in following your uh, your social media account, it sounds like, is there is there a bird dog in your future? I wish, but <laughs> unfortunately, my guy is allergic to dogs. Oh, bummer. And he his is allergy related and it triggers his asthma. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about, oh, you can get the kind that are made for allergies. He's actually allergic to the saliva too. Oh. So no, and which is sad because we both want a dog and he even tried to get the uh, allergy treatment and shots and even the allergist told him it's just not worth your time because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's not gonna work and we were like oh because he wanted his own breed and I wanted my breed and we're just gonna be breedless that's Whoa. okay that's tough. <laughs> yeah. get like a a, a bird cat <laughs> Oh, he, we can't even have cats. I think the only thing we can probably uh, have are fish. A bird fish just uh, probably doesn't a work. Bird fish. <laughs> so, Maybe there's yeah. a lizard or something you could get. <laughs> yeah, I, I threw that out there, lizard. and I kind of got this look like uh, no. <laughs> or 
or this is realistic you yeah you could look into falconry i would love to but honestly i don't think um heck i don't think i can even afford that freaking cage to keep it in (laughs) that's fair for real yeah. That would actually be pretty darn cool. At least it can kind of circle and tell me where it's at. But mm-hmm. you know, I wish, <laughs> I really wish I could. But I'm gonna like it. I'm at some point. I'm gonna have to try to upland hunt without a dog because the guys keep telling me it can be done. I'm yep. like, all right, we're gonna try it. Yep, it can be done. Uh, and yeah, we'll we'll have you back next year <laughs> to hear all about that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so have you been camping since? No, not yet. And only because I've had to, our job has this, my job has this big project. Mm. I've been trying to we well, I shouldn't say I. My team, we've been trying to get this project done and we're so close that you know, we're putting in 50, 60 hours a week. That's like mm. 10 to 20 hours a week overtime. And then I also have a part-time job to pay for these tags and license fees. Right. And I just haven't had the the time to take, you know, a few days off to go do these things. I also don't own my own tent yet. Mm-hmm. So I've been looking around for tents and, you know, everybody's like, well, you can do this. You know, you can just go get some $50 tent. I'm like, I, I don't want to do that. Um, I did it that one time. I have a bad back. I don't want to walk around hunched over in a tent. I'm mm-hmm. five foot five. I want to be able to fully stand up and take my clothes off and on. Mm-hmm. And then all the tents for a while were off the shelves. They're starting to come back in. So it's on the list. Worst case scenario, I'll just borrow one of my buddy's tents and just go camp out at the lake. That's probably about 20 minutes from home just to get out the house but other I have everything but the tent yeah that's rough I think I mean like you said nobody uh, likes sleeping on the ground and it really if you especially if you have um, bad back or chronic pain it can can do you a good number for a couple days yeah one of the um, Kansas Department of Wildlife uh, her name's Tiana Fanshire love her she um, showed up at our dub event to help out with that. And she brought, she had a pop-up Coleman inflatable bed that was the size of a queen size bed up off the ground, like a queen size bed on a metal frame. I was all in her tent. Can I take pictures? It had side tables with cup holders. I, I copied it <laughs> and it folds down on itself slides into a bag that has wheels sweet that is camping in style yes it's also been used as a guest bed a couple of times too as it should be <laughs> that makes perfect <laughs> sense but That's i got my the queen kind of guest size. bedroom <laughs> yeah i think i might want to get the twin size too so it's like oh if the queen size can be used if you know twin but if it's just me i, I mean i'll just take the twin so what and it's it? comfortable what was it again? It's the Coleman pop-up camping bed, and I'll definitely send you the link on that one. Because right. I got it off Amazon, and I think they have it on Walmart's website, too. Yeah, because I just have this blow-up air pad that works in most situations, but that sounds heavenly. Oh, my God, it is, especially since I don't have to get your motor running just to get up off the ground. Right. Right. Get some (laughs) momentum to (laughs) fight the gravity. I know that feeling. Uh, All right. Talk to us about duck calling at traffic lights. So, my gosh, my duck calling is horrible. And it's not the duck call. I've actually had a couple of friends try them out and they belted out some good duck calls on them to test it. Um, I have, so I have a vocal cord implant, which allows me to talk. And sometimes you can hear the, the shift of my voice when it gets tired. It may sound like I'm crying probably now too, but what I've been, I've been kind of banned from the house from my duck call. <laughs> <laughs> and the one time 
I refer to it as testing his gangster. He hid my duck call for like three days. What? Yes. Oh, no. You know, something about him just going to sleep and me building a duck call at six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it just wasn't a good thing. So I carry it in my purse. And when I'm at stoplights, I will, every time I'm at a stoplight, I'll just play with my duck call. I get, I get some either pretty strange looks or I get some looks of approval. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing in between. <laughs> nothing in between. And because it's um, the gentleman that I purchased it from, it's a really beautiful duck haul, and it wasn't expensive. Um, his name was Christopher Polk. And it's, it's, a real, it's not like I can damage it, but I carry it in a stash bag so it doesn't get all nicked up and rubbed up, and then I can... Um, like sterilize the bag and reuse it and it's cushy and you would think I was carrying around a brick of gold <laughs> yes my duck call was so bad that even my uh my doctor there was nobody in the office she was like well let me hear it and I blew on it and she goes huh I'm gonna write you a referral to go see a speech pathologist I think you just need to go get some speech therapy to get that windpipe open a little bit. Oh, interesting. (laughs) I thought that was the most hilarious thing. It's like funny. So I'm going to go see a speech therapist to see if it'll help. I just, I can't get enough air out to Uh push through it. And only we're not even going to talk about those mouthpiece turkey calls. Mm -hmm. I just gave up on them. Mm Mm-hmm. Especially when I almost choked. I wonder, I wonder if there's someone that you could work with that could make a custom call that requires like less force. Oh, I never thought about that, and it may that may be above my pay grade. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it makes a good story. It would. I'm, you know, I may research it. I sometimes I find that I think stuff is like not obtainable, and then you know, just like these beautiful calls I got, I'm like, oh my goodness, these were. There are such beautiful calls, and they are the perfect color that I requested. One looks like it was carved out of marble, and the other looks like they were carved out of wood, and they're acrylic, and they're just so beautiful. And they make when you get the right person that can do it, they make such a beautiful sound. Just not with me. Yet. <laughs> yes. Yet. Yet. That's fabulous. Um, and I personally think that a duck call. Well, so I was camping this weekend and woke up at like 5 a.m., maybe even earlier, to um, a flock of geese going after it. Um, it's not a bad way to wake up. I, I, I would not hide your duck calls if we were roommates. Well, thank you. I, I you know what you ladies can appreciate that. Him, not so much. <laughs> oh, I also love your resourcefulness of using the stoplights. I am no stranger to practicing several different <laughs> game calls in my vehicle as well. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the most hilarious time was when I was, I think I was sitting next to, uh, it wasn't in my seat. I crossed state line. So there was a cop sitting at the light right next to me, and I had my windows down. And I scared the crap out of him because he jumped and looked over at me, and he's just kind of like, huh. Yeah, I must have been a sight. You know, I'm, I'm sitting in a little um, Dodge Challenger with the windows down, blurting out these calls with my big old hair. And you look over, and you see, oh, I what an afro in a Challenger blowing a duck call. You don't see that every day. <laughs> I love it. I hope I hope it made his day. He just kind of chuckled and didn't say anything. And I was like, oh, oh good thing I'm not going to get a random pullover over here because duck call would probably mean she's probably carrying something. Let me check. Yes. It's, yeah, it's a short line from A to B. Yeah. That one. Yeah. Uh, we're going to. Well, before we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sibling podcast, but before we do that, is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Uh, not that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. All right. We will be right back. Here's a message from NWF Outdoors. Howdy, Artemis listeners. This is Aaron Kindle from NWF Outdoors. 
We know you love awesome conservation conversations. That's why we want to invite you to check out the NWF Outdoors podcast, where we dive deep into the issues, people, and places that showcase the best of the sporting conservation lifestyle. Guests include leaders, luminaries, and decision makers who define conservation and work tirelessly for fish and wildlife. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts or at nwfoutdoors.org. All right, welcome back. Uh, Sharenda, one last question for you, because you seem like you are always learning something new, which is one of the things I admire about you, one of many. Um, and I think we already talked about that you're still um, perfecting your duck call, but what else are you digging into now? I have learned how to um, tie flies, and I took uh, a couple of fly tie lessons because I really, I'm sorry, not, well, fly tie lessons and fly fishing lessons. Cool. I really want to fly fish. So that that's actually been pretty fun. I've actually been able to sneak off um, on lunch breaks and go cast, you know, practice my cast out in the yard. Oh. It's not pretty. Kind of looks like some strange dominatrix thing going on. I don't know. <laughs> A little weird slap and tickle, but at least it's getting into the direction that I wanted to go in. It's it's definitely not pretty. <laughs> definitely funny. not pretty. Yep, um, yep. probably this weekend I'm gonna go up to the the lake and just practice around in the water. I don't anticipate catching anything, and I'm not gonna necessarily be in an area where I catch anything. And if I do, it'll be total luck of the draw. But I want to start hitting it in some water. Very cool. Um, oh, yeah. Well, I, I have a sense that you probably underestimate your, um, or at least undersell <laughs> your abilities. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if you do catch something this weekend. Well, that would be cool. Uh, you, you'll see it on Instagram if I did. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Sarah, any questions before we go to hits and misses? Um, no, I, I'm just very surprised to connect the dots with you being involved with Wilderness. I've been following that account on Instagram and the, the organization for, oh gosh, I don't know, six or seven months now. So this is fantastic. And I'm in awe of all of the diversity you include um, with events and just how you organize everything and how you portray it is incredible. I'm loving it. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. We, I kind of, outside of my own personal page, I kind of like hang out in the background because I'm still a little, a little shy, but not so much anymore because they won't let me. <laughs> but I appreciate Good. that. It's just, it's great to hear like the response that we get from so many different women and organizations and people in general makes me feel like I'm doing something right or at least okay. You are. <laughs> Just reaffirm mm -hmm. that one for sure. Um, which actually reminds me of a question I had about one of the events you guys did recently. How did the taxidermy one go? That looks oh. fascinating. I really wanted to join on that. But I That one was actually great. I, um, the uh the guest speakers that we had doing doing it it was um first there there was a lot of things about taxidermy that never even crossed my mind to even think about how much work they put into it i mean i know they do uh it's a strenuous process and it can take a while but they have to have almost just as many permits as we need to to do things and they have a strict a way that they have to check in your harvest um, to account for where it came from, whose is it, um, if they can even um, do a taxidermy of species like the one that we had. She's got special permits where she does things for a university. So she gets to have species that are in danger where, for whatever reason, it's going to either a museum or the school 
that she gets to taxidermy that, you know, we legally couldn't even attempt to do that. And I would love it if we could go, if we can get some dove and send her a couple of doves because she's never taxidermied a dove. And I would love to do that for her. That would be beautiful. That's neat. That's, um, yeah, it's such a interesting process and it's something I know absolutely nothing about. Um, but on the many, on the long list of things that I would love to explore. So that's, it's pretty cool that you guys did that. How was attendance? Um, attendance, I think we had over 50 people. Cool. She's also going to do a part two where it'll be a live segment where you can actually see her um, do a hands-on taxidermy procedure. So I'm looking nice. forward to that one. Nice. I think she gives lessons online as well. Okay. She's got a curriculum where she can do things um, because of COVID. And then we also had, uh, I believe it was the University of Oklahoma. I didn't realize that they had such a huge database of species and animals that they have to keep track of. So they did the educational species part behind it and talked about what all they have at their facilities and I'm thinking we're going to take a tour down there later just to see their vault. But that was amazing, too, to hear it from a different aspect mm-hmm. as far as educational purposes. It's very cool. Um, all right, let's do hits and misses. Our weekly closer, what have you been aiming for and how did it go? Sharenda, uh, do you want to go first? Uh, my weekly thing that I started probably about three weeks ago that I do every morning before work is I stand out my window and I've been trying to learn to visually gauge how far an animal is. We have so many animals that come across our yard and this field across the street from me that I've gotten better because now when I go and get my uh, wing shooting lessons, um, he even asked me how far out you think that bird is and like, well, I think it may be about 35 yards. And he's like, all right, you know, you can hit that, right? And, you know, that's been fun. That's cool. And then I got challenged by one of the Pheasants Forever men. So I got to get my bike set up from a road bike to a stationary bike. There's a little kit so I can uh, work up my endurance because this year he says, so are you going to keep up with us this whole thing or are you going to tap out on the next hunt? I was like, oh, challenge accepted, sir. (laughs) (laughs) We went on a hunt, and I think about the last half mile, I was like, oh, without me, I'll catch up to you, (laughs) Mm because I was just, I was worn out. I had a torn meniscus disc, and I walked that whole field, and finally, my leg was like, nope, I'm just going to sit here for about 15 minutes and then catch up. So they've not let me live live that down. So I was uh, like, all right, I see you, Heath. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. That um yeah. I I imagine it it's probably pretty uneven ground too that you're walking on and that just with a sore knee can be brutal. Oh, not to mention that these guys have been doing this pretty much all their life. And I'm also 5'5", five five, and these guys are almost six feet tall. Even right. Jess Rice, our president, she's like 5'7", five, 5'. Five. Anyway, she's got very long legs. So, you know, <laughs> I'm the little teapot. I got the little shortest legs, and I got to almost jog to keep up with these guys and gals. How, I know that. Two of my friends out here, they're – oh, yeah, I'm 5'2", and I always seem to attract friends who are at least 5'10". <laughs> and it's the same thing it's like no you cannot set the pace because your stride is twice as big as mine um, yes yeah it's crazy yes and that that's all I've got going on other than just getting things organized for the gear and fashion show review and still checking off stuff on my list that I need which from this time last year I think outside of the tent there's literally probably only eight things that I feel like that I need. And that was like amazing to me. So that's, that is amazing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, 
I finally, so my birthday's coming up in August in a bit of the same thing. Like my sister asked what I wanted. And usually I've got like this long list of hunting gear that I want, but I feel like, I feel like I'm pretty, if I, even if I'm not like set up with, with good, <laughs> even if I don't feel like I'm set up with good gear, I'm set up with good gear hacks. <laughs> so I feel like I'm solid right now. <laughs> I realized what that sentence was going to be as I started it. Alan, it's such a good feeling knowing you have the equipment to just, if you just decided you wanted to, like the next 30 minutes, just go, mm-hmm. you can just go. Yep. Yep. For sure. Um, and I like that idea of practicing. And I imagine in the morning when you're standing there practicing how far animals are, there's a cup of coffee in your hand because of you're course. Shanda. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> do you do. Uh, not hunting related, just curious. Uh, how do you feel about iced coffee? You know, two years ago or even last year, I was on that coffee should be drunk hot. Yeah, walking out in that field, mm-mm, <sighs> to me iced. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I will take it iced. I literally, the the killing factor, if I get some type of gear apparatus is if it is not compatible with my insulated for six to eight hour, well, six hot, 12 cold, it comes off the list. Mm-hmm. Not going to happen. I like it. I'm going to retire a cooler because it doesn't meet those specifications any longer. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I have yeah, the cooler requirements too. too. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Well, Sarah, what have you been aiming for and how did it go? Well, last time we spoke, I believe my hit was that I got chicken. Chickens. So I'm gonna I'm gonna expand on that this time. They've I've now relocated them from my guest bathroom bathtub out to their actual chicken coop and nice. it's going very well. They're they were a little hesitant to experience the outdoors for the first time, having been, you know, indoors for the first two weeks of their life and now they're they're going on week three and a half, week four for their age. So They've gotten quite a bit of their feathers coming in, so I'm not too concerned about them breathing some of the temperatures that fluctuate during the day. Um, They have a heat lamp for nighttime still, but nighttime only. And yeah, they are now venturing their little outdoor coop space on their own and foraging. It's pretty fun to see. That's fantastic. Now, what type of chicken coop do you have? Is it one of those that look like a house? (laughs) (laughs) So mine's probably interesting and unique. I, I don't know that many people have this set up, but it's actually built into the inside of my garage. So about a quarter of the interior of my garage is turned into a chicken coop. And then there's just a door cut through the exterior wall that goes into their fenced in outdoor coop space. That's brilliant. That's awesome. And I've actually seen that um, one time when I went and visited Montana, several um, property owners had did their chicken coops that way and they said they liked that way better because it kept the uh, coyotes out in the middle of the night and I was like oh that was interesting of course I was thinking these chickens living better than me (laughs) (laughs) and I imagine it might open up some opportunities for um, any folks that might have zoning restrictions or need a, a special permit to build any type of shed or coop on their property this might alleviate some of that yeah that I never even thought about that. I mean, I like the eggs, but I I don't know if I'd want to care for a chicken. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, my biggest um, concern with chickens was keeping them alive during the Montana winters. Uh, And, and with, if it's built into your garage, that's just, I mean, I won't say it's not a concern because obviously garages still get cool, but it, I mean, Mm -hmm. doesn't get more, much more weatherproof than that. Yeah, yeah I, I am a little there. nervous. Yeah, I, I probably will have to because it does get pretty darn cold uh, during some points of the winter. Mainly in like January, February, it can get below 20 degrees below zero or colder for a week or two of the year. So I'm a little nervous about that point. But but they say yeah, that with chickens, especially, it's not necessarily the temperature, it's the wind. So as long uh, I as see, your yeah. garage is windproof. You might be all right. It definitely uh-huh. is. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Um, well, yeah, I guess what I don't what age do they typically start laying? 
I think I read like 22 to 26 months, but I, or weeks, excuse me, weeks. Um, but I don't know if that's true for all breeds of chickens or specific ones. So I guess we'll, uh, I'll keep you posted on that. Yeah. Keep us What's close. your breed again? I have two ISA Browns and two Golden Sex Links. I think the only ones I'm familiar with what their eggs look like are those. What are they called? Eastern or Easter eggers? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep, right. I those as well. These breeds specifically are a little bit more tolerant of cold. Oh, okay. And so they do the brown eggs. I Googled it right quick. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. are, yeah, those are pretty good. They, those make good cake. <laughs> <laughs> Yum. <laughs> um, well, my head this was this weekend. Um, I mentioned that I went camping and it was for a fence removal modification project work party. Um, so that was pretty fun. We had eight people, um, which I felt was pretty good given that it was like 95 degrees and smoky, uh, drive down to do a fence pull project with, um, the, it's this three year, 10 mile project in, um, Southwestern Montana that in 2017, I think, Montana started collaring antelope pronghorn to, to gauge their movements and track um, kind of their paths from their winter to summer habitat. And they identified this spot um, that's just riddled with fences. One of the biologists walked a good, I think, 40 miles of it. And in those 40 miles, she crossed like 36, 37 fences from old ranches, old BLM fences, you, you name it. Um, it's just a uh, uh, a bit of a maze. And so this project, some of it's fence removal and then some of it's fence modification where we just take off the lower, um, the, the lowest strand of barbed wire uh, because antelope don't go over fences. They go under fences because they didn't evolve to mm. have much jumping capacity. And oftentimes they get caught on that barbed wire and then end up with um, just these big gouches on their backs. So we did uh, three quarters of a mile of fence modification and it was a blast. It was a good time. Um, and well, yeah, I always enjoy a good fence party. I'll so that's my hit. Today. Yeah. What, that they can't jump? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's fascinating. They're just such fascinating creatures because they, they're, um, you know, they're, they're squat, right? They're short and they're squat. Um, they're my spirit animal. <laughs> <laughs> they they can run incredibly fast but they don't jump and so yeah they they usually um during hunting season when i see them they'll run along a fence line until they find a spot that they can go under and then they'll all go under that same spot and continue running and it's fascinating they also that's one of the reasons they have such a hard time in the winter they don't do well in the snow because they're just not built to push through it and like to me that's fascinating because they're native to North America, um, where other species, most other ungulate species came across the land bridge, um, and migrated over here. And obviously they've been here a really long time. So they're, they're considered native, but pronghorn were originally from North America. And what they used to do is follow in the paths of bison, um, who, who would, you know, crunch the snow down. And so they didn't have to fight it. Mm-hmm. Um, and now with bison, uh, fewer and further between on the landscape, the antelope have to make their own paths, and a hard winter can be really hard on the population, which is another thing that I just found fascinating about pronghorn. They're cool. That is fascinating. Yep. They're genetically related to the giraffe, which I think is also cool. I would have never partnered that together. Right? <laughs> right? I mean, physically speaking, they're like, couldn't be more different. But Anyway, pronghorn are cool, um, and you should apply for a tag and join our pronghorn camp, both of you. Oh, you know, I Happy have run you. across so many different camp um, advertisements that <laughs> I really, 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 really want to do one. Yep. I'm like, huh, guess I'll be working this part-time job a little longer so I can save up for some camp funds. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and that, yeah. And yeah, when you're talking out of state, it's not just the, it's the tags in addition to the travel cost. It gets, it gets steep pretty quick. Yeah. But it would still be fun. So let me know how yeah, I can contribute to a camp fund. Yeah. 
I've I've been putting thought into that more and more recent in recent years um, before, and I didn't really think I had much desire to do an out-of-state hunt outside of Michigan because I'm, in my small world, I'm like, I have so much opportunity to hunt here. I can't hunt enough. Like, why would I travel across the country and hunt elsewhere? Um, but obviously, I've been more and more intrigued by hunting other species, and I think I've landed on that I would like pronghorn to be one of my first out-of-state hunts. So that Fantastic. sounds like a perfect opportunity. Yeah. Plus, I also like uh, when I read up on on some of the camps that I've come across. When I look at the itinerary, you know, I was thinking, you know, even if I was one of those seasoned hunters, when you look at the itinerary, I'm like, gosh, there's so much more education that you can get out of these camps. And then, you know, the backside of my mind is like, and think about all the gear you can see that other people are using <laughs> and how and why. Yep. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I do think I'm now I I think I will be a strong proponent of a gear fashion show at every camp. I think it just makes sense. Oh, it, you know, like for especially <laughs> someone like me that's just getting started and you don't know exactly what you need and you constantly hear tell you constantly hear people telling you, "Oh, you don't need that mm-hmm. or you need to get this" and and they don't realize what works for them may not necessarily work for you. Mm-hmm. I just think it's just great to have so many different perspectives in one location and you can see how everybody is using their gear and then you can get those opinions about, Oh, I like this, but I especially love the, but I wish it would do this. Mm-hmm. Those are my favorites. Mm-hmm. Mine too. And you're right. Everybody has such personal uh, preferences and specifications for what they need and want and when, uh, what type of hunting they're doing that to get, um, just that bulk gear review is is awesome. Yes. All right. Well, thanks again, Sharenda, for joining us for another conversation. This was awesome. And actually, I lied because after this conversation, when I said that I didn't have anything on my birthday list for my sister, I, I do now. Um, I'm going to check out some some pants from DSG or Girls with Guns. So, sister, if you're listening. That's what I like. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't hunt and she's very supportive of my hunting hobby but she doesn't hunt and so I think she looks at this and is just like doesn't she purchases not reluctantly is not the right word <laughs> but without deep and complete understanding <laughs> you know never ever has my family and friends been so supportive of anything that I wanted to do until now and I told them like you guys aren't slick you aren't <laughs> technically doing this for me this is to increase your invites to dinner <laughs> yep yep there's an ulterior motive there for sure there is and it, it just tickles me and it, it it warms my heart that you know they may not necessarily be outdoors men's and women or you know even want to try it but the fact that they're willing to you know share in the adventures any that I do any way that they can and you know help me along the way like they all chipped in and got me a a cooler that if I do decide to go on maybe a three-day hunt you know my harvest would survive in there I was like well, that's actually pretty sweet I might have teared up a little bit but don't tell me that. that's awesome <laughs> uh can I pass on like a a a a trick that I learned this weekend and I haven't tried it, but it sounds like a game changer for those multi-day hunts. So uh, if you have, yes. <laughs> right. If you have your cooler um, and Sarah, maybe you know about this, but I was told if you, if you um, take a, a towel and get it wet and then drape it over the cooler, it extends the cooling capacity um, for like for days. It'll just keep it colder longer. Um, so if you have game in it that you need to stay in the field for a couple more days and won't have an opportunity to get it in the freezer, yeah, apparently a wet towel does the trick. Oh, hmm. definitely learn something. I, have not I heard wrote that, that down. Yeah. Um, I didn't get much of the detail behind why, but like it was mentioned that the um, most of the energy goes to evaporating the heat in the towel instead of the cooler. So, um, the cooler's protected because it's our, the energy that's hitting it is already busy doing something else. Um, but then also just the insulating factor. If you got this damp cloth draping over everything and somebody who's a scientist it. is going to call me out and what I just said, but 
That's my layperson's <laughs> explanation of why the damn towel works. I'm going to try that. I, I can set my cooler back on in the backyard and we'll, we'll see how that Ooh. works. Ooh, right, I like it. Field it. test. Keep yeah, throw a cheap yeah. chicken in there and see what uh-huh. happens. I like I it. <laughs> You'll need a control group. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> You'll need a huh. control group on your on your cooler to see how it compares. Okay. Yeah, I didn't think about that. I can't afford a second cooler, so I can mimic the same conditions. <laughs> I like it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, this was a great conversation, and I'm excited to hear um, all that you've been up to and all that Wilderness is continuing to do. It's so exciting. And thank you for just doing what you do for hunters and anglers in Kansas City. Well, thank you so much for having me on again. And, and thank you for connecting me with other women to help on this journey, too. I love reading all the stories and hearing what every other woman across the country is doing. And, you know, I tag into um, Artemis's Facebook page every time there's a new post because I get an alert. And it's just like, oh, God, you guys have just. You know, all you ladies have made this like a whole new world for me. And it's been, it's been fun along the way. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. It's, it's it, one of my favorite things is just highlighting awesome people doing awesome work. And you are at the very top of that list. So thank you. Yay. Thank all right. You. Sarah, thanks for another great co-host conversation. Appreciate your time. No problem. Thank you again for having me. I've, I've really enjoyed these conversations. Um, not only do I like listening to them, but it's extra special being involved. So thank you. My pleasure. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week on the Artemis podcast. Uh, until next time, be bold, stay curious and get outside. Mm-hmm.